All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hey, hey, welcome everybody to Dropping the Gloves. Tim and John are here to entertain you, keep you interested for a finite amount of time. I'm glad you guys are listening. It's very, uh, we appreciate it. All the listener, all the support. We love the fan mail, the tweets, the blogs, the the pokes, the, oh, oh, what other types of contacts do we get, Tim? The, the autograph requests, all yep. that kind of fun stuff. We really appreciate it. So thank you everybody for the support. Have you got any autograph requests, Tim, yet? I have not. Yeah, the closest that we came to that was in Chicago at the Blackhawks convention. People were lining up to take your photo right after we recorded on the little stage. And you were like, hey, guys, this is Tim. Anyone want his picture? And they were like, "Uh, no, that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. I'm good. Yeah. You could have just played it off like you were a player and you'd have been fine. Yeah, no. They were the super fans. They knew everybody. You could have been a prospect, a new draft pick, a third rounder. No one knows those guys. But anyways, how you doing, Tim? Good. Good. Yeah, it's been good. It's a quiet weekend, but no episode Monday. But we're going to do a twofer here, so still good. How about you? We got a big big day yesterday, huh? I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely wiped out. I've been burning the candle at both ends, and it's starting to catch up with me. I'm not as young as I used to be. We had a birthday. My my second eldest, Gabriella, turned seven yesterday. And we don't usually do birthdays for them just because it's around Christmas time. We're really busy. We've been kind of scrambling with the kids the last three or four years. So we haven't had a birthday party for her. And last week, I was just like, you know what? Like, let's just throw together a birthday party for her. We'll, we'll invite two friends. They can come over. We can do dinner. They can do a little playing outside. It'll be really low key. And then you know what happened? You you invite one, you invite two, and you don't want to, you know, insult anybody or make someone bad or hurt someone's feelings. So you invite three, then you got to invite four. Next thing I know, there's like seven or eight girls here 
for a birthday party and we got bombarded with snow the night before and we were, we did a big scavenger hunt for them and it was fun but man it was it's just a lot of work i was pulling people out of the ditch you know i was trying to because people couldn't get up my driveway apparently because it's treacherous and so i was it was just a <laughs> it was something else but i i'm gonna battle on i'm gonna soldier through We'll get through these episodes. We're actually got a couple good episodes set up for you guys, so it'll be good. I'm sorry we didn't get the Monday episode out, but you know, life comes at you fast sometimes, right, Tim? Yeah, and I just saw on Twitter that Cam Jansen got Gretzky on his show tomorrow. What do you think about that? Well, Gretzky is a St. Louis alum. He is probably promoting something. He's probably does he work for St. Louis? I would imagine he has some know. connections to them, but doesn't surprise me. Wayne's not a big name anymore. We had Marcus Foligno. He's still active. <laughs> that's a good, that's true. You know what? What's Wayne going to say? You know, I was, you know what? I, I have been, I've been thinking about this question a lot lately. And the next time we have a really, really good player on, I want to ask them, when did you know that you were better than everybody? When did you know that you could just dominate a game? At what age? And did you realize it? You know, I just find that fascinating to think that like Wayne Gretzky at one point in his career, when he was a little kid, scored like 300 goals in minor hockey. You know what I mean? Did you, do you think as like an eight to 10 year old Wayne Gretzky would just be like sitting down after a game where he just scored 15 points being like, I am way better than any one of these kids. I'm going to make the NHL. Like, this is easy for me. Like, do they have that kind of thought process or is it just like strictly, I want to get better. I want to get better. I want to get better. I'm yeah, fascinated. It would be, but don't you think most players in the show have a story like that? I mean, maybe as they got older, they weren't the best anymore, but Marcus Foligno had to be the best kid on his team when he was 10 years old, right? But not to the extent of the super superstars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a Wayne Gretzky or a Sidney Crosby or even a Patrick King. Like any of those superstars where they were standouts at a young age because everybody's good who makes the NHL for the most part. They were the best players on their teams, like you said. I was never the best player on my team. I, I was the exception, not the rule. But, like, I just want to ask a guy who's, like, the best in the NHL. There's only been, like, 100 or so people who have been the best in the NHL ever in the history of hockey because there's only one best player every year. You know what I mean? And there, it, it would just be to pick the brain of that person. Be like, when did you know, Mario Lemieux, that you were just light years beyond anybody else i don't know i just think it's an interesting question i've been thinking about that lately there's people who are really 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 good at one thing it's like do they ever just stop and think like man i'm just like dominating this i'm better than everybody this is easy for me do they ever have that thought process i don't know if we ever get someone onto that caliber i'd love to ask them but i don't know if we will we're just slowly dropping the gloves you know what it reminds me of you know bryce harper the baseball player I do. He when he when he first had the profile written about him when he was probably like 15 uh, in Sports Illustrated. I want to say he was just this phenom. He was like obviously the first overall pick. He was just on everyone's radar in the whole country since he was a little kid. And in the story, there was um, this uh, just this little nugget about coming home from like a weekend tournament where his parents couldn't make that particular one, and he was moping and crying in a car on the way home, and really upset and. And they asked him, like, what, why, why are you so upset? What's the deal? And he said, so basically the reason he was crying and moping and unhappy because he went 12 for 12 in that tournament with 11 home runs and a double. And he was crying about the double. Really? Yeah. That's incredible. And he was just a little kid. He was in Little League. Maybe, maybe like that first year you go to the big leagues, whatever. 
that's incredible to have that mindset at that age. Wow. Like, I, I, would you have that reaction? No. I go no. three for five and I'd be like, yes, this is incredible. But just say you did hit 11 dingers and hit a double. Like, it's just, it's just a different world. 20 years later, that would be on my resume if I ever had a weekend like that. Right. <laughs> I still talk about the day when my relatives came from out west. They, they came from um, Baker's Barker, Barkerville and somewhere in BC, Priestville or Saskatchewan. I'm not sure where. They came and visited Ontario. They, they came to my game. I had four home runs. So I got four banana splits. I still talk about that to this day. That was a big day for me because they're like, we'll get you a banana split if you hit a home run. And I went out there and knocked four dingers. And I was so happy. And I still talk about it to this day. It's on, it's on my show. Like, there let alone is. hitting 11 home runs. How do you get up to plate 11, 12 times? Man, they must have just went batted around the order every inning. Well, well that, was, that was over the course times. of the weekend. But, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Wow, Bryce Harper. What's your, I don't want to get into baseball talk. He bothers me a little bit. Yeah. He's I feel like, like he needs to just play baseball more. He's like, you know, Jake Paul, the guy we were talking about last week. He's like the Jake Paul of baseball. Is just he the really? drama. Yeah, and the personality, the attention. Yeah. Totally. So who would you rather have, a Bryce Harper or a Mike Trout? Oh, Trout. Easy. Me too. Not even close. But I wish Trout would have just a – he's like a robot. I wish he would have a little bit more personality. That's what makes Mookie Betts so cool because he's so just like – just slick and swaggy and just confident and, and – Trout is sort of like a robot. He's sort of like it's just he's automatic, you know. Yeah, a little dry. I like seeing Mookie in the LA Dodgers gear. He looks good. <sighs> no, moving on. Yeah. Anyways, Tim. So we're we were batting around ideas of what to do today, and um, Tim was like, "We never talk about your Arizona Coyotes days." So let's let's dig into that. And let me just preface this: the reason I don't talk about Arizona is because I left with such a sour taste in my mouth. And I really, really, really did not respect the, the way things went down. And, and I had a huge issue with that. And that's why I don't talk about it. I, um, I just didn't like how Doug Maloney handled his business. I didn't like how I got traded. I didn't like just the whole, the whole thing behind it all. So that, that's why I, I don't speak about Arizona very often. And if I do, it's mostly about the players, but yeah, you won't you won't catch me talking about Arizona in a fond light very often. Now that said, though, I mean, I, I want to hear a little bit about your time there. Obviously, you connected with some of the players there. You guys were having a pretty good season. I'm sure you had your your ups and downs there outside of the whole All Star thing. I mean, what brought you to Arizona in the first place? This is did you realize yet that it was going to be the last year of your career? Um, were, were you getting offers from different people? I think you just left, what, New York, right? What was that all like? I, I just left San Jose. San Jose. And it was, it was a strange free agency period because I, I was really blessed where every July 1st I signed right away on July 1st for some odd reason. So I think I was a free agent five, four or five or six years. I'm not entirely sure. But every off season I signed July 1st, you know, as soon as we could sign. I was I was – lucky in that regard so this last year it was july 1st nothing second nothing third nothing and i don't i don't say nothing but nothing serious like we would talk to teams they said well you know we're waiting we're you know we have other stuff going on we'll get back to you so you know days went by fifth sixth seventh i was like well well, 
you know, you start to question, am I going to play anymore? You know, you start thinking, am I going to take a two-year deal, two-way deal, excuse me. And I was just a little concerned. You know, we, we were sitting around in Traverse City. We had our four kids at that point. And we're like, gosh, what's going to happen? And so July 8th comes around. We were actually downtown. We had a parade for some festival that, that time of year. And my agent calls. He's like, hey, we got to talk like right now. You know, something, something's going on. Arizona Coyotes are interested. What do you want to do? Would you go play there? I was like, absolutely. Like, like pursue this. This is great. So he calls Arizona. They offered a one-year deal. I don't know what, what the money was for, like 700, 800 grand, something like that. So he's like, one-year deal they need to know soon or else they're going to move on. As I'm thinking about this, he calls me again. He's like, hey, Pittsburgh's in. And I was like, oh, okay, well, and like, mind you, this happens within a half an hour because I feel like my agent gets the deal from Arizona, gets the offer, and he immediately calls the other teams who he's negotiating with or kind of dangling the carrot of John Scott to. And Pittsburgh's like, we want John. We have to move a couple things around. We really like him. We want him on the team. So he tells me this, and he's like, Pittsburgh wants you on the team, but they can't offer you something right now. They have to, you know, move some things around. And I'm like, gosh, do I wait around and wait for Pittsburgh to get their house in order? Or do I take, you know, the contract on the table in front of me? And, and Arizona has given me a, a little stopwatch. They said, we need to know in a few hours, because if you're not going to commit, we need to move on and find somebody else. Because there, there, there's tough guys waiting for jobs. This is, this is the last year. And there's guys like begging for jobs left and right. And so I'm just like, gosh, what do I do? What do I do? Pittsburgh is a competitive team. They're going for the cup, Crosby, Malkin, all those superstars. Like, do I, you know, kick the can on the Stanley Cup again? Or do I go to an Arizona team where I know I can get playing time? They're not, you know, expected to win. Maybe eco in a couple more years. And this is what's going on in my head. I'm like, gosh, what do I do? What do I do? I finally just tell my agent, like, let's go to Arizona. Like, let's let's go. I don't want to wait around on Pittsburgh. And so we signed a deal. And then that's how I got to Arizona. And lo and behold, Former guest of the show, Steve McIntyre, signs with Pittsburgh the very next hour. So isn't it funny how things work out like that? It is. I mean, what was the – the? I mean, this is the, by far the smallest market you played in. And even the the smaller markets were still pretty good size, like San Jose, Minnesota, Buffalo. I mean, what was the biggest difference playing in Arizona compared to, like, Chicago or New York? It, everything was different. The, it, literally everything about that team was different be it the rink, the budget, the locker room, everything was just scaled back. And uh, it, it was very similar to San Jose because San Jose, they're a small market team compared to other teams around the league. And they don't really spend too much money on their rink and their kind of practice rink and their, uh, everything that goes into a hockey rink. But yeah, you know, it's it just, you don't get the same accoutrements as you would for a Chicago or a New York you don't get the benefits of, you know, the breakfast, the lunches, the dinners, the, the swanky dressing room, the, the plane with the unlimited food and this and that. It was a scaled back version. Arizona was on a budget and everybody understood that. So you embraced it. I think the one good thing that Arizona had going for it, you're, you're in Scottsdale. You're in Scottsdale in winter. It's beautiful. So I think that draws players. I know when I was looking for contracts my last few years, I wanted to play somewhere warm. I played in Buffalo. We played in Minnesota. We played in Chicago. I was like, let's get somewhere in the South so we can, you know, enjoy a winter instead of just freezing our tails off every single winter. So 
we were lucky enough to land in San Jose and then we got Arizona. So it was kind of cool to spend some time in the South during the winter. And it, ugh, it is so great to walk out in February and throw some shorts on and head to the rink. You have no idea. I got a nice Camaro convertible. I drove it around. It was, it was unbelievable. It was great. So anyways, how it's, did, a, it's, how, a, it's a little different. How did Danielle like it in that, in that temperature, that, that uh, climate? You know what? She did not join me. It, it was the only year where she stayed back. So we were renovating our house because of the flood in San Jose that, or no, sorry. When did we flood? I can't remember. Sorry. I'm drawing a blank. Your yeah. house flooded though. She was renovating her house. That's right. And so she stayed back and I was flying solo. She would fly back and forth and she was pregnant with the twins. So like, she just didn't want to leave. She's like, listen, we have this house. We have a home base. I'm not going to jet set around with Arizona with like two kids and two in my belly. I'm just not going to do it. So I went to Arizona solo. I was um, by myself. I found a really, really smaller apartment in one of those gated communities. And we, I got there. It was great. What I learned was it was like a little retirement community. So I, I lived with like just all these like snowbirds from Canada, these 60, 70 year old people. And that, that was my community in Arizona. So it was funny. I would go down to the pool. I'd see like Larry and Merv and Agnes and they'd all just be, you know, sitting by the pool in the hot tub. And here comes me. I'm just like, you know, what's going on, everybody? Like, John, it was, it was actually pretty funny. (laughs) 2020 already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Thank goodness. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike the other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause at any time. There are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it and they'll see it fast. So try Indeed out for a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Listen, it's their best offer anywhere right here on my show. So go to Indeed.com right now backslash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, listen up, fellas. 2020 has not gone so well. It's almost the New Year's, which means our sponsor, Manscaped, is stepping up their game. Manscaped is the best male grooming and they offer precision engineered tools tools for your body hair. They are helping 2 million men and counting all over the world to get rid of all that disgusting hair all over your body. Listen, I trimmed my ear hair two weeks ago. I go into the bathroom. I'm wearing these masks. So the mask is hanging off the ear and I'm like, what is hanging off my mask? I'm like, oh, my hair is getting long. No, it's my ear hair. Like, what is happening with my ear hair again? 
So I get out my Manscaped trimmer, trim that bad boy up, take my shirt off, about to jump in the shower. I'm like, what is that disgusting thing on my chest? Oh, it's my chest hair. That's okay. I got the lawnmower 3.0, baby. I break out the lawnmower 3.0. It's fully charged. It's got a battery that lasts forever. Jump in the shower with this thing. It's waterproof. I start going down on my chest. I'm like, you know what? The shoulders could use a little trim, baby. Hit the shoulders, hit the chest, hit my neck. I'm ready to roll. Anyways, go to manscaped.com to get all of this and more. The charging station is great. It's got a light on the trimmer. Get the nose and ear hair. You'll be feeling fresh for the new year, the Christmas party, the New Year's Eve party. Get the ball drop. You're making out with your wife. It's going to be great. Anyways, everybody, it's Christmas time. I'm giving you 20% off just on dropping the gloves. This is just my show. So you go to manscaped.com. I'm going to get you 20% off and free shipping, but you have to use the promo code JohnScott20. Manscaped.com, promo code JohnScott20. You're going to get 20% off free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping. That's almost 30% of your order at manscaped.com. Get it for your son. Get it for your husband. Get it for yourself. It's going to be a great new year. You're going to be shaved. You're going to be feeling sexy. So get out there. Get out there, everybody. Cheers. Uh, I want to ask about Shane Doan. I mean, he's a guy that all you ever hear about from him is before they ever talk about him as a player, they talk about him as a leader. What made him such a good leader? Uh, he had a strong moral backbone. Like he really did. And and I know everyone knows the stories. He doesn't cuss. He doesn't do anything, you know, bad. And you don't really know that. You just kind of hear the stories, Shane Doan, Shane Doan, this and that. And you meet him and he's just a great, great guy, you know? He doesn't do anything wrong. He's, he doesn't, he just lives life the way it should be lived. He's got strong religious background and he's just a good guy. You know, he, he leads by examples. He works hard and that's pretty much all I can say. Like, he's just a really, really, he's not the greatest hockey player. You know, he, he's not going to out talent anybody. He's not going to out skill anybody. He's not going to deke anybody out. What he beats everybody in is his drive, his competitiveness, his will to win and his work ethic. And he just has those things in spades. And I don't think people realize, like, if you look at Shane, he's like, he's built like a Mack truck, but he's not overly skilled. And he just dominates guys because he works hard. He, he plows through guys. He's just like a bulldog. And he, he was a different captain because I would played with captains who were, you know, fun and loosey goosey in San Jose. And then Jonathan Taves was serious, but super, super skilled. Miku Koivu was a rookie. Coming into Arizona, Shane Doan was the longest tenured captain. He, you know, was the last guy from the Winnipeg franchise. I didn't know what to expect, and he was just a great guy. So I, I can't say anything but good things about him. So, no, it, it was cool to play for him. Now, Max Domi, that was his rookie year, and he put up 52 points that year. I mean, I, I remember him kind of, like, surprising some people. And then, I mean, first of all, what was your take on this kid just right out of the gate as, as a player and both as a, as a teammate? Yeah, the only thing I knew of him was the World Juniors where he and Anthony Duclair just tore it up and they won gold and it was such an exciting tournament. I think game the, the Russia game, the final game, I think they came back and won. I, I don't exactly remember, but he played great. And the thing with Max, he's, he, he had been around the NHL for years just because of his dad. Mm-hmm. And so he wasn't intimidated at all. Like he came in, he was comfortable, he was confident, and he just – 
like went after it and he was not scared or nervous. Like you see from some rookies throughout, throughout the league where they just, you know, they're timid. They don't want to, I don't know, just make anybody angry or just step on anybody's toes. It's like they, they don't put their best foot forward right away. The first month, month and a half max had that, that wasn't a problem with him at all. He came in, boom, first day in camp. He was the best player. He was up and down the ice. He was a rocket. And you could tell this kid was going to be good. And I think what also helped him, there was no pressure on him. Here we were in Arizona, no expectations. Everyone pegged us to be dead last. So he had no eyes on him at all. And he went out and he just produced. And it was really fun to see him and Toby Ryder, or um, yeah, Tobias Ryder and Anthony Duclair and Jordan Martin. Like these guys were all young players and we thrust them into some big, big minutes and some big roles and they produced. It was really great to see. Now, here we are, though, five years later, and he's sort of been an up-and-down player. Did you think by this point, if, you, if I asked you in 2015, would Domi be like a point-per-game player consistently by now? I would have guessed, yeah. Just because of that first year, he was, he was like a – he caught lightning in a bottle. He was so good. Everything he did seemed to work. And, yeah, you have regressions. People figure out your game, and, and they figure out how to play against you. But I do think maybe going to Montreal hindered his growth where he got thrust into the limelight. He put a little too much pressure on himself and he just couldn't handle it. You know, he, he, instead of being the third option or second option in Arizona, mind you, we still had good players who played in front of Max. So he wasn't the team go-to guy. So maybe it, I don't know. I think it did stunt his growth. He, he kind of progressed too fast where I think he, he could have been a point per game guy if he would have stayed in Arizona. I firmly believe that. So that, that was the year, too, that Oliver Ekman Larson put up 21 goals, 55 points as a defenseman, obviously. I mean, how good was he? How good is that guy when he's on his game? He is one of the slickest defensemen I've played with. And I play with good defensemen. Like, I, I've been around some really, really talented defensemen. And he, I think, has the, the most overall talent. Not defensively. Like, he's, he's good defensively, don't get me wrong. But offensively, he is, like, just slick. Can move the puck up and down the ice effortlessly and 21 goals as a defenseman like that's scoring a goal every four games that's hard to do and when you're getting keyed on every single game because behind him we didn't really have much we had Connor Murphy and Stone and I dabbled on defense a little bit like we didn't have a strong decor so for him to put up 21 goals that's pretty good I think that was his career high but uh, man is he a good player it was, and he was pretty young at the time, and he hasn't, like, he's had a couple of flashes, but nothing like, we thought he was going to be just, like, a, an emerging elite, elite talent. He hasn't really quite gotten back to that level. Do you think he will? Do you think he's ever going to be a Norris guy? I don't think so. I don't think he has the complete game that the other players do, and that doesn't mean he's a bad player, but it just means he's not to the level of a Norris trophy. He's, he's the tier below a Norris, which is not a bad place to be no. in, in the grand scheme of things, but no, I don't think he's at the level of a Hedmond or a Peter Angelo or those types of players. So he, he's still a 1A defenseman, but he's just not the Norris caliber where I think they signed him to that contract to be a Norris caliber player where he's just not there. And again, it's not a bad thing, but he's just not quite there. Okay, another guy I want to ask about, Steve Downey. And obviously he's not talent-wise at the same level as the other guys we're talking about, but a really interesting player. Um, and he's a guy that always played with an edge, obviously. He was super effective in that pass-slash-enforcer role. I say pass first because he just wasn't that big. He was 5'11". Um, 
But I guess what made him such an effective player in that role? What made him? He put up 238 penalty minutes the year before you were there. Yeah, I don't know. He was a again. He was one of those guys who was actually really talented. He was one of his better players on his junior team. He had really good hands, but he just had that mentality of being a pest. And the same thing with being with skilled defensemen. I played with some of the best pests in the world with Patrick Coletta, Cal Clutterbuck, Steve Ott, those types of players. And Steve, the one thing he had on those guys was he was skilled. Like you could play him up and down the lineup. And another thing where I think he might have gotten in trouble was he just didn't care. Like he would go on the ice and he would really try to just bury everybody. And you've seen it throughout the league in his hits where it's like questionable hits. Steve, you're like, Steve, what are we doing here? Steve, like, what are we doing? And he just gets like that bull seeing the red cape where it's just like he has to go. He sees this guy. He's like, I'm going to finish this check regardless of where the puck is. And that's where he kind of played on the edge and he kind of went over the edge a few, a few times. And so that's how you get 200 and some minutes. And then after he does it, he gets up and he's like, what do I do? What do I do? You know? So he, he was a good teammate. He was a good guy. He, you know, he, he just played on that edge. And a lot of the times he kind of stepped over the edge a little bit too often. But he's a guy like who's obviously a fighter. He's a pugilist. He's a guy that's in the box a lot on the ice, dropping the mitts. And that's, that was, obviously probably one of your biggest roles too. What was the relationship like between the two of you? Did you have an understanding? Did you guys talk about how you would compliment each other? What was, what was the deal there? Uh, you know, I don't think there was any conversations. I always liked having a guy who was a middleweight who could kind of take care of that tier of players, because when you don't, it just opens things up to where it's like, I don't want to deal with you because you're smaller I don't know if I can deal with you. Then someone else has to step up to the plate. So it, it, would all, it was always really nice to have a player like that to kind of take on that role. I loved it the year before when I had Mike Brown because Mike, me and Mike, when we were on the ice, we, we kind of had a nice one-two punch going. And Steve was good. You know, he knew his role. I don't think he fought too much. He, he had some injury trouble that year. And we actually sat out a lot. And, he, you know, he's a good guy to have in the locker room. He, he shoots it straight you know when i was doing the all-star thing he told me right away he's like arizona's gonna trade you they're never never ever gonna let you go into that all-star game like it's not gonna happen and i was like steve you're crazy and sure enough like he he was dead on so you know he he was a strange guy but also good nice guy (laughs) um i mean really across the board one of the things you guys that you have talked about on the show is that the expectations were low, like you said, but you guys had a good season and you, and you blew away everyone sort of uh, what, what they thought you were going to do that season. What, why did it work so well? What made that, what went right that year? We just had a ragtag group. We know we, we had the good rookies like we touched on. We had some really good vets. We had Antoine Vermette, Brad Richardson, Kyle Chipchura. I'll throw myself in there. Shane Doan. We had a good group of guys who we just gelled right away and there was no pressure. And so we went out, we played, we played hard. We played as a team. Mike Smith was solid between the pipes and we were good. Like when I got traded, we were second place in the Pacific division where we were touted to finish last. And that's back when the Pacific was a strong division and every team in California was cup contenders. And we were hanging in there. Like we'd go in and surprise people. We played well, we were tough to play against and gosh, it was just fun to go to the rink. We would watch these young kids rip up and down the ice and the old guys were having fun jumping up in the rush, playing with these young guys. And I was out there doing my thing and it was just a good time at the rink. And I think that's, you know, when you, when you're having fun, that's when you win. And that's when you want to come to the ring rink and it just, you, you can see it on the ice. And then the all-star game ruined it all, Tim. Yeah. We would have won the Stanley cup if not for that darn all-star game. 
So I, I don't want to go down that road. We talked about it at nauseum, but I guess just what specific moments do you remember from those Arizona teammates? Like which guys were sort of the ones to really support you? What do you remember in the dressing room, in the hallway, in the plane, when that all was going down? Yeah, it's funny. Not, the, the skill guys didn't support me that much, you know, because I do feel like, honestly, that they wanted to go, that they felt like they deserved to go, and that they would never say that. But, you know, you kind of get that, like, OEL or donor, those guys like, you know what? They were having great years. They deserve to go. And here I am, this this guy who's played half the games. I'm getting voted in. It's a huge joke. So they they weren't the ones who kind of were rah rah behind me. It was it was the guys who, you know, were my ilk. Steve was happy for me. The backup goalie, Anders Lindback was happy for me. You know, those were the guys who were like, this is cool, you know, this is awesome, you know, this is gonna be great. So the rookies were pretty happy for me. So those are the ones who were just really supportive. And not I'm not saying that those guys were not supportive, but I think that they wanted to go. That's that's just the feeling that I got. All right, last question. Oh, uh, you had one assist that year. Do you remember it? I don't. I do not remember that, honestly. Isn't that funny? I only had a, like a two assists, I think, and I can't remember that one. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Tim. I don't remember it. Do you? <laughs> no, if, if some listener can go find out, the, uh, find out who scored that or find a video of it, we'll get I'm a, pretty we'll get a sure. There's got to be a game sheet somewhere. But, no, I don't remember that. Oh, so many. Too many to count, Tim. What can I say? Yeah. Well, was that interesting for you? No, I mean, it's fun. I like those stories, and it's fun talking about different players you've been with, too. Yeah, it was a fun year. I My kids loved it. They loved going down here in the howl because the coyotes, they go, oh. And so when my two older girls would come, they would get all dressed up and howl and stuff and it was a fun time in Arizona. It really was. It's just, it's a good city. Very good city. I recommend visiting there. Really nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, John. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, is there anything else, Tim? Uh, no. Any, any of your favorite stories you didn't get to talk about that you want to share from Arizona? I wasn't there long. You know what I mean? I was only there for a few months. It was strange. And then all of a sudden I was gone. And, and then I just kind of blocked it out of my 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 memory just because i don't know i just have such a bad taste like i said of leaving that spot it just wasn't i don't know i just didn't i don't think i'll go back if they hang my jersey up in the rafters <laughs> do you think uh donor or downy or any of those guys that come on the show i've reached out to steve i don't know i gosh i don't know what he's doing i hope he's doing well donor oh, i think he might yeah i'll ask him I, I I I reached out to Max Domi and he just ghosted me again. I'll text him like, "Hey, how's it going?" He's like, "Hey, I'm good. You know, things are great." I'm like, "How you doing?" He's like, "Oh, we're doing good." I'd be like, "Hey, you want to come on the show?" Radio silence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, a- "I didn't get your text. What did you say?" I'm like, yeah. <laughs> "It's funny." And and Duclair still won't respond. I think he's how. So Anthony Duclair has been a free agent now for how many months? Uh, three. Months two. and months and months. Yeah. What do you think he's going through right now? Do you think he regrets not hiring an agent at this point? Uh, maybe. I don't know if he would admit it, though. I wouldn't admit it. Training camps are about to start. Yeah. Like, what is he thinking? What is Mike Hoffman thinking? Like, what, what's the end game? I still, I still firmly believe those two will sign for half of what they wanted to sign for. Anthony Duclair will be around 1.7 to 2 million. And who's the other guy? Hoffman will be like three, three, five, four. Yeah. I mean, shortened season now, 
uh, one-year contract, just get through it, get on a team, probably go with a contender if they can get it. Yeah, I don't. I can see that happening. Yeah, I've been seeing some teams are under the salary cap little pinch and they're trying to trade away some players. The Vegas Golden Knights, after signing Peter Angelo, are starting to get a little nervous about their salary cap issues. So they've been, you know, kind of dangling Max Pacioretty and Jonathan Marchessault. It's kind of interesting. I, I like Marchessault. He's a good He's player. He's a good player. He's a very good player. If I was a team who needed a scoring winger, I would call up the Vegas Golden Knights right now because you could get a very good deal. Marsha still has a good contract for, I think, three more years. I would, uh, I would look him up. I would find the GM's number for Vegas if I was the Bruins or if I was a rebuilding team like Detroit or Ottawa. Get that guy on your team for the next three, four years. Kind of mold those younger players. That would be a nice move. I, I could see it happening here in the next week or so. But anyways, everybody. I hope you had a good week. I hope you had a good, was there a holiday? Oh, it was just my daughter's birthday. I hope you guys celebrated my daughter's birthday like I did. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind the scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise, including t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks, and see you next time. Football's back, baby. The playoffs are around the corner. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads, totals, to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. You better believe I made a boatload this year, my Buffalo Bills. I bet on the Bills every single week with the spread, straight up bid, boom. I got money in the bank because of Bet Online. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.